This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Kara Schallenberg. www.kray.org. The Country of the Pointed Furs by Sarah Orne Jewett. Chapter 4 At the Schoolhouse Window. One day I reached the schoolhouse very late, owing to attendance upon the funeral of an acquaintance and neighbour, with whose sad decline in health I had been familiar, and whose last days both the doctor and Mrs. Todd had tried in vain to ease. The services had taken place at one o'clock, and now, at quarter-past two, I stood at the schoolhouse window, looking down at the procession as it went along the lower road close to the shore. It was a walking funeral, and even at that distance I could recognize most of the mourners as they went their solemn way. Mrs. Begg had been very much respected, and there was a large company of friends following to her grave. She had been brought up on one of the neighboring farms, and each of the few times that I had seen her she professed great dissatisfaction with town life. The people lived too close together for her liking, at the landing, and she could not get used to the constant sound of the sea. She had lived to lament three seafaring husbands, and her house was decorated with West Indian curiosities, specimens of conch shells and fine coral which they had brought home from their voyages in lumber-laden ships. Mrs. Todd had told me all about our neighbor's history. They had been girls together, and, to use her own phrase, had both seen trouble till they knew the best and worst on't. I could see the sorrowful, large figure of Mrs. Todd as I stood at the window. She made a break in the procession by walking slowly and keeping the after part of it back. She held a handkerchief to her eyes, and I knew, with a pang of sympathy, that hers was not affected grief. Beside her, after much difficulty, I recognized the one strange and unrelated person in all the company, an old man who had always been mysterious to me. I could see his thin, bending figure. He wore a narrow, long-tailed coat, and walked with a stick, and had the same cant-to-leeward as the wind-bent trees on the height above. This was Captain Littlepage, whom I had seen only once or twice before, sitting pale and old behind a closed window, never out of doors until now. Mrs. Todd always shook her head gravely when I asked a question, and said that he wasn't what he had been once, and seemed to class him with her other secrets. He might have belonged with a simple, which grew in a certain slug-haunted corner of the garden, whose use she could never be betrayed into telling me, though I saw her cutting the tops by moonlight once, as if it were a charm and not a medicine, like the great fading blood-root leaves. I could see that she was trying to keep pace with the old captain's lighter steps. He looked like an aged grasshopper of some strange human variety. Behind this pair was a short, impatient little person, 
who kept the captain's house, and gave it what Mrs. Todd and others believed to be no proper sort of care. She was usually called that Mary Harris, in subdued conversation, between intimates, but they treated her with anxious civility when they met her face to face. The bay-sheltered islands and the great sea beyond stretched away to the far horizon southward and eastward. The little procession in the foreground looked futile and helpless on the edge of the rocky shore. It was a glorious day early in July, with a clear high sky. There were no clouds, there was no noise of the sea. The song-sparrows sang and sang, as if with joyous knowledge of immortality, and contempt for those who could so pettily concern themselves with death. I stood watching until the funeral procession had crept round a shoulder of the slope below, and disappeared from the great landscape, as if it had gone into a cave. An hour later I was busy at my work. Now and then a bee blundered in and took me for an enemy, but there was a useful stick upon the teacher's desk, and I rapped to call the bees to order as if they were unruly scholars, or waved them away from their riots over the ink, which I had bought at the landing store, and discovered to be scented with bergamot, as if to refresh the labours of anxious scribes. One anxious scribe felt very dull that day. A sheep-bell tinkled nearby, and called her wandering wits after it. The sentences failed to catch these lovely summer cadences. For the first time I began to wish for a companion, and for news from the outer world, which had been half unconsciously forgotten. Watching the funeral gave one a sort of pain. I began to wonder if I ought not to have walked with the rest, instead of hurrying away at the end of the services. Perhaps the Sunday gown I had put on for the occasion was making this disastrous change of feeling, but I had now made myself and my friends remember that I did not really belong to Dunnet Landing. I sighed, and turned to the half-written page again. End of chapter 4 Read by Kara Schallenberg On January 29, 2006 in Oceanside, California.